0: I'm Jackie Lockie, your financial planning maestro. This series of podcasts is aimed at financial planning professionals and also those who are looking to enter the financial planning profession. We will be talking during the podcast about all things certified financial planner certification related, talking to other CFPs around the world. And also, we will be dropping in on some new entrants who've just entered the financial planning profession, and we'll be checking up along the way on a regular basis with them to see how they're getting on. I hope you enjoy today's podcast. Hello and welcome. I'm Jackie Lockie, your financial planning maestro. And on today's podcast, I'm talking to a very special person who passed their CISI Level 7 case study on his very first submission attempt and now has become a certified financial planner in the UK. And that is Greg Cook from Polaris Wealth Management. Welcome, Greg.
1: Thank you for having me, Jackie.
0: My pleasure. My pleasure. Now, we are going to delve about in the CFP Level 7 case study in a moment. But tell us a little bit about your more unusual story of how you got into the financial planning profession.
1: Yeah, of course. So, yeah, as you mentioned, it's a slightly more unusual route than I'm guessing a lot of people take. But um, I I sort of never worked for anybody else. I, I set up on my own pretty much from day one. My father was a IFA for a for a long time. So I'm guessing that's where my original interest in the in the career path uh, came from. I ended up securing a couple of uh, really helpful training programs early doors uh, that piqued my interest in the in the profession. So um while I was at uni, I um I got onto a, a thing that was run by Aviva and it was a, a future advisor program. I'm guessing they were trying to give a little bit back and get some young blood into the industry um so that was really helpful sort of sent me around the country visiting other businesses and things like that that was good and then sesame uh helped me with my uh, CII training and then sort of let me set off as a self-employed advisor day one through their one of their ar firms so Without that, I'd have been pretty much having to go and get an employed role or or be really brave and jump straight in with both feet as an AR on day one.
0: And how long ago was all of this that you started your own business?
1: I, th- I did a, uh, a letter at Christmas uh, for clients. And when I wrote it, I realised I've been advising for over 10 years. Wow. Um, so a while ago. But I think in terms of my own business, it's been about eight years.
0: Fantastic. And how did you come across the CFP certification?
1: I think I've looked at it quite a few times uh, without really committing and um, obviously done a bit of reading on it. And it, it can be quite daunting to see how, how difficult it can be. So I, I definitely looked at it a couple of times before I sort of took the plunge. And i um, I booked onto the uh, the practice in financial planning case uh, case study type of assessment.
0: That's it. So instead of doing the level six exam, you did the professional assessment, that bridge assessment. So you must have been a chartered financial planner with the CII already, and then you did the bridge assessment. Did you?
1: Yes. Yeah. Exactly that. Um, so I I, I think I signed up for that in about July twenty two, uh, and then promptly forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, didn't do anything with it um uh, till early 2023 um I had a good excuse for moving home but uh, yeah it got sat there uh, in the back of the drawer for, for a while oops um, okay. <laughs> and then finally did it in sort of May uh, 23.
0: And then after that you went straight on to get the case study?
1: Yeah yeah it was pretty much did the assessment just in time to book the case study. Um, I thought if I didn't, it'd go back in the drawer again, and wouldn't come out. Um, <laughs> oh, I sort of made myself, <laughs> do, made myself do it.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Well, well done for doing all of that. Um, so, what, so what happened when you got your case study? Did you do any preparation before you got your case study in readiness to, you know, for when it hit your inbox?
1: Um, the preparation was really the assessment, um, the financial planning assessment, because I did it so close to jumping on it. It was like a, um, a a good refresher, okay. uh, but I didn't do anything specific um, before the case study arrived. It was sort of a week or two later.
0: All right. And so how tell us a bit about how you approached the case study from when it landed in your inbox.
1: Well, yeah, it was... Uh, quite daunting when it first arrives um and um yeah the, the, the first thing I made sure I was I was on your course because uh, I'd listened to a couple of your podcasts and read a few things about people struggling through it without uh, taking any training so that was the first bit of prep uh, <laughs> that I did uh, making sure I was on there um but yeah to start off with it was just uh reading through the case study multiple times picking out where you thought the case study was going to go um some of the themes that were in there and highlighting up a few of the key points and then it was very much a case of just waiting for uh, the first the first input from you so i could get a crack on and really <laughs> okay. start to tackle the court, uh, tackle the, uh, the case study but um
0: tell our listeners a uh, uh- about what happened along the way when you were on the course
1: so um yeah jackie's course it's um really 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 helpful so you work through it in stages on your own um and there's study material and uh, explanations about all the various steps and then you feed back in with jackie and the other rest of the group um a couple of times throughout it so you've got it's like a roadmap. you've got to get to at this stage before your next meeting, you've got to get to that stage before your next meeting, and so on. And that really helps keep you um focused on moving forward and not going down rabbit holes, which is quite difficult not to do, to be honest. Um,
0: Everybody does, I think, from time to time. It's kind of, but it's part of the process, I think, isn't it, actually going down the rabbit holes? The point is not staying down there too long.
1: Yeah, I was definitely guilty of that. And I think you told me off a few times for that. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah you're right it's um it's, it's really easy to get to get lost in there and then sometimes you just need somebody to go come on make a decision one way or the other move on uh otherwise you're just gonna end up stuck down there forever um uh, so I think that was that was really helpful getting somebody just just to with fresh eyes and uh and what have you to just say you've done that bit now um move on
0: yes yeah, you made the decision. And that's part of this whole process, isn't it? Because, you know, some people say to me that the case study seems, seems you know, quite straightforward when you initially get it. But there's so much in there. And that when you start to tackle one bit, then you kind of think, oh, maybe I should think about that. Or maybe I should do that. And then that's where your rabbit hole goes. And then you're off, aren't you? Um, when you need somebody to kind of pull you back and go, right, well, what decision are you making? Um, and then, you know, right, okay, I'm making this decision and then, right, okay, you've made that decision. That's now set in stone. Um, as I know that lots of people were sick of hearing me during the course, <laughs> So yes, that's now set in stone. Now, what's the next step after you've made that decision? Um, so it's quite, quite interesting that, that kind of iterative process, isn't it? So how did you find, I mean, we had some one-to-ones as well together, didn't we? How did you yeah. find all of that process?
1: yeah just just going back on what you said there about the rabbit holes and um, the other thing that was really helpful is um because your your mind is racing thinking okay I've got this problem to deal with but then that's going to be in the background later down the line um it all was also helpful for you to say right don't get stuck down that rabbit hole but um you stop thinking about the, the other things just solve the problem that's in front of you at the moment and then The rest will come through in time, Um, so that was really helpful. But um, a big challenge—it's not really like any other assessment that I've done. And you said that at the start, (laughs) and um, obviously most people have done exams with the CII CII and and what have you. They're very different—a different challenge because there's a right and a wrong answer all the time, and you, you generally get the impression that you're moving forward all the time with your studies um yeah the assessment's completely different because you're second guessing yourself all the time or at least I was anyway and um having somebody like yourself to just come in and go um okay just stop deliberating too much on that point and move on and keep you focused and uh somebody to bounce the odd idea off when you think am I just running up the, the wrong path here was really really helpful
0: good Good. And so what what aspects did you enjoy most about dealing with this case study? And where were those, you know, kind of hidden tricky bits for you?
1: <laughs> Enjoys it. <laughs> Strong word. Um, it okay. was kind of, uh, yeah, it was, I wouldn't say I enjoyed the process. I, I think I can see the value in the process and coming out the other side, but it was Yeah, don't go into it thinking it's going to be fun and enjoyable. You you might (laughs) find it fun and enjoyable. I certainly didn't. Um, It was very much a case of, I just want to do this and get it done Um, and take value from the learning rather than the actual enjoyment of working through the case study. It was, um, it's not, a well, at least I didn't find it a particularly enjoyable experience. It's not (laughs) fun, fun, fun. (laughs) no 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 and you definitely need to think that through before you do it because um it's it's time consuming and it's it is hard and i mean we've all got lives outside of it in clients and all that kind of stuff so you need to be 100 percent eyes open before you go in
0: yeah Um, yeah absolutely and did you find because i know that you love an excel spreadsheet don't you so was that one of the aspects that you found more straightforward because lots of people do struggle with that aspect don't they
1: um, yeah, I, so yeah, I, I'm, I find myself, I think I'm quite decent at Excel and, and my skills are okay there, um, but it's still challenging um, just because of the sheer volume of data that you, you're dealing with yeah. and how interlinked it all is. Um, my particular case study made it the Excel a bit, bit more difficult, I felt, because it was multiple portfolios, different people, and
0: it kind of meant some of the Goal Seek stuff didn't work and you ended up going
1: around in circles and having to do manual data entry um, just to make the spreadsheets work a few times. So that was quite challenging. Um, more from a... It, it just ate up loads of time. It wasn't particularly difficult. just ate up loads of time and then it's keeping track of it whenever you make a tiny amendment. You've got I then think, oh, God, I've got to mess about with all these cells that I've put manual data in. So... That was definitely a challenge. Um, so yeah, if you if you're not comfortable with Excel, that's definitely somewhere where you want to just brush up on a few skills beforehand.
0: Yes, absolutely. And then Excel aside, how did you find the you know though well <laughs> rabbit holes aside? How did you find the kind of thought process of working your way through the case study? Did you find that you know? comparing that to your own natural skills, that some aspects of the case study were more tricky than others, you know, like perhaps for estate planning or retirement planning, um, you know, one bit slightly easier, I guess, because you're more familiar, and some bits, you know, were there complexities that popped up that you haven't really considered before?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wrote down in my notes before today's uh, podcast that my case study almost felt like a sadistic joke at times um <laughs> from, from my point of view because it was um it was completely on the boundaries of the comfort level from my point of view it's I've got a relatively young client bank so uh, albeit I do deal with estate issues they are sort of few and far between and there was things implications with long-term care which had never come about there was even uh family planning for for children it was a second marriage and planning a second family and I don't have kids so that was a little bit difficult from my point of view to get my head into into that sort of stuff but um yeah it was it was a challenging case study but looking back on it now compared to at the time it was probably the perfect case study from a learning perspective um it was a a, a real real eye-opener from my point of view
0: and that's because it forced you to take on obviously you've got four completely conflicting objectives as well but also you know forcing you to think through those ramifications of every time you make a recommendation in one area the you know maybe unintended consequences or knock-on effects in another area isn't it
1: yeah absolutely absolutely it's um yeah it's 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 easy uh easy easy to focus on one thing and just forget about some of the other things but everything obviously is interconnected and um yeah it's uh it was it was definitely um a, a good challenge from my point of view um the case study uh compared to some of the others that I obviously heard you talk about and um and uh saw from other people's point of view you do sit there thinking I wish I'd got that case to do but then Like you say, in the long run, it's probably the best one that
0: is. Yeah. (laughs) It's got the kitchen sink in that case study that you had, I think. They threw everything at that one for you. Um, Well, not for you personally, but obviously for everybody who got that case study.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was was a lot. There was a lot going on. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It it wasn't all just all in the same areas. Like you say, it was was probably as wide a spread of uh, knowledge
0: required as you could possibly need. Wow. Yeah. So, how long, looking back now, do you think it took you to complete your submission?
1: I was trying to work this out earlier today. Um, it's quite difficult to, to put into into hours. Um, but what I can say is uh, I pretty much gave it every weekend I had bar one, where I was on a friend's stag do in Amsterdam.
0: Okay, that's allowed. <laughs>
1: um but having said that I was still typing away on submission day which I know you said not to do and um I still found myself wishing I had that extra weekend which I feel a bit guilty for because my friend do was really good but yeah it was still a str- struggle on the day to finally say goodbye to it and submit it
0: yeah yeah so you know probably definitely in excess of 100 hours maybe up towards oh. the 200 hour mark I would think by the sounds of it
1: Easy. Yeah. And I found it quite hard to dip in and out of as well. So um, because of the Excel stuff, you, and you kind of had to spend half an hour getting your head back into it before you could actually start doing any work. So dipping in and out for an hour in a day was really difficult. I pretty much uh, did most of the case study in the weekend, um, bar the odd bits that I did sort of after the phone stopped ringing on odd days. But as I say, you'd spend an hour just getting yourself back up to speed. And then before you know it, it's dinner and winding down. So, yeah, yeah, the, the weekends are definitely needed.
0: And I think that's one of the most important things to get across to people is depending on how you like to work. You know, I was speaking to somebody earlier today and they said to me, they did their case study for two hours every morning as soon as they got up and yeah and you know everybody's different aren't they so you've got to know and understand your own method of working and if it you know you want to take the whole of Saturday or whatever it is you know to immerse yourself in it and you make more forward progress then you know you've got to run with that haven't you rather than going right I'm going to do an hour every night you know when you're exhausted and when you've had a full day of you know client meetings and writing reports.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that wouldn't have worked for me. I'm not a morning person, so uh, definitely wouldn't have worked for me. But um, <laughs> yeah, as you say, I needed the I needed more time at, at, in each go, if you like, um, yeah. to, to devote yeah. to it.
0: And you passed on your very first submission. So many congratulations for doing that. Uh, That is no mean feat, absolutely. Thank you. Um, uh, It's, uh, you know, a huge thing to do um, and testament to your determination and conviction to become a certified financial planner. So many congratulations on all of that. Looking back now... How do you think – has it challenged the way your thought process is now for your business, for the clients, and for advice that you give to those clients moving forward, do you think?
1: Yeah, it definitely has. Um, It definitely has. Um, I was – I sort of, whether by accident or by by design, sort of fell into the more traditional IFA uh, role when I first started advising Maybe out of necessity to go and earn some money and all that kind of stuff, and uh, but I did obviously start off doing mortgages and protection before I eventually uh, moved into uh, financial advice and planning. So maybe it's on the back of that. So it's yeah, it was it's definitely um, made me start to um, approach it in a completely different way with clients and almost reassess the value where I add the value for the client as opposed to being technical expert, problem solver. It's a bit more of a getting the client to see the the aha moment, or whatever, um, and put a plan in place for the future.
0: Yes, and that and also do you think that, you know, you mentioned earlier that you've got, you know, quite a young client bank. Do you think that, you know, going through the CFP and having this experience has actually helped you help them understand what financial planning is all about and maybe help them plan for their future a little bit better than perhaps you otherwise would have done
1: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um it's um it, for, for a lot of advisors um one of the first times they start messing about with cash flow systems is when they're dealing with a retirement client whether that's right or wrong is uh, anybody's decision but um, sitting down and actually planning the accumulation and lifetime cash flow plan is uh, a completely different uh, journey for the client so yeah absolutely definitely helps uh, in that respect.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah indeed indeed and so you've been you not only embarking on the CFP last year but you also did some other courses didn't you tell us about that.
1: Yeah I've, I've sort of like to push myself for some reason. I think I've got loads of time and try and make myself do lots of things that I don't actually have time for. So <laughs> C- CFP being one of them, but, um, yeah, pretty much straight on the back of it. I booked onto, um, a, a coaching course with a, a another uh, financial planner. Um, and, um, yeah, that's been, uh, it's runs every quarter and I've been three times now. So, uh, it's, it was, it was helpful um, for the actual CFP um, because not only did I have obviously your assistance and um, the course, but there was somebody else I could bounce ideas off if I was struggling, um, which was also a help. But then from a business perspective, it's because I've always done everything on my own and always been on my own. It's, it's not really had that guide that, sort of learning a way of doing things with an employer that some other advisors might have had. So it's it's been really helpful in that respect.
0: Yes. And I think we've said before that, remember, Paul Etheridge, who started the Institute of Financial Planning back in 1986, uh, or the late Paul Etheridge, I say, sadly passed away in 2022. He used to say to me that so many people were professionally lonely out there giving advice. Um, And I used to kind of pull a face at him and he was like, well, so many people are working on their own. Or, you know, perhaps one or two people working together or a financial planner and administrator. And you just don't have, unless you make that effort, you don't always have that network of people, do you, that you can go along and bounce ideas to, uh, off. Um, so it's good. It's great to hear that you are building that network of people and people like me that you can never really get rid of, even if you wanted to. <laughs> you know that, Greg. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with that more. Um, obviously, yeah. It, one man band for 10 odd years you are you are on your own quite a lot of the time and um you don't have that sort of second person in the office to bounce an idea off um, so it's handy to make these connections um I, I, I did make some decent connections early doors um, through those two um uh, courses that i mentioned the uh, financial advisor school and things like that um but um yeah, it's it's it is really helpful and reassuring almost that the doubts that I have when I'm giving advice are sometimes similar to the doubts that somebody else that's been doing it thirty odd years might be having a similar sort of doubt in their mind and want to just double check that they're on the right mindset with things and that was really reassuring.
0: Yeah. And so moving forward in your business now, now you have gained your CFP. I guess you can find other CFPs, uh, you know, perhaps in your local area or go to branch meetings. And there are obviously CFP only events, I think, that the CISI runs too. So what plans do you have for the future, you know, to you know, help build that network, perhaps of other CFP professionals?
1: Um, I've been trying to twist my friend's arm to do the exam, but he's uh, to do the case study. But he's he's been put off by my uh, <laughs> amount of hours that it took and how difficult that it was. But I'll keep trying with him. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, I've I've, um, I've booked onto a few conferences, which is something I've not done before um, before before now. Um, certainly not CISI conferences and planning focused conferences. I've not done that sort of thing before. Um, So yeah, I've booked onto a few of those. Um, Obviously, doing the the uh, the coaching course, there's um, there's a few of us doing it, so I'm meeting people through that. And um, yeah, it's it's definitely something I need to push myself to do to go and meet other advisors, because as you say, it can be it can be a little bit lonely. Uh, from, from a professional point of view
0: yeah and I think also everybody's got a different personality um you know you're like me you love an Excel spreadsheet um but you know sometimes it's it it, it can because you're so busy anyway and you're trying to build all these new um skills you know getting your CFP and the coaching and everything else to to help basically grow your business but also you know by doing that you're helping all of your clients and offering them perhaps more comprehensive service than perhaps you were before but I think it's you know sometimes I always think it's quite hard work you've got to kind you've got to kind of put yourself out there haven't you a go-along you know, force yourself sometimes to go along to these meetings um, because you know, actually, that you're going to get so much more out of it when you get there. And don't forget to go when you go to the conference with uh, a pocket of business cards to make sure that you can uh, swap business cards with the people and other CFP professionals that you find there too. Um, But it can be, you know, even getting out and getting into that habit of building new relationships can be, uh, you know, quite tough, can't it?
1: Yeah, I think I think to be honest with you the, the 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 main reason i've never done this sort of getting out to conferences and things is when you've when i first started advising obviously unless you know about these things you don't look them up it's the, the sorts of invites you get are usually product providers trying to sell you something so you can go and sell it on to uh, clients so quite quickly i've turned myself off to that sort of stuff and um the other side of it is like you say you're always so busy and focused on clients it's 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 almost uh, hard to justify a day out of the business and a load of expense versus a day in the business and finding a new client. But obviously, there's other values to be had.
0: Yeah,
1: um, yeah. If you go into the right the right offence.
0: Absolutely. Um, Well, I'm going to look forward to seeing you at the conference, hopefully, uh, the CISI Financial Planning Conference. I shall be there this year, all things being well. Um, So we are nearly at the end of our time together today, Greg. Um, You have shared so many great insights into your journey. Um, Congratulations on passing your very first submission again. Um, But before I we go. I would like to ask you to give some tips and any advice that you have for people who are thinking of embarking on the CFP process themselves.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, do a course. Um, I would definitely recommend doing a training course, uh, preferably Jackie's. I promise she's not bribed me uh, to say that. Um, it was really helpful and I'd have, I would have been lost without it. Um, it's, um, yeah, you'd, you'd just be struggling. To, to find your way through the assessment without some sort of support unless you've got it from employee and em, em, colleagues that have already done it or something like that. Um, and to be honest, I think it'd be a much harder process and you'd probably end up spending as much money on resubmissions or lost time if you didn't do a course. So I would definitely recommend if you were considerate to, to take on a course, um, brush up on your Excel skills if you're not confident, uh, that's, that's uh, quite important, um, plan your time really wisely, uh, because you'll, you'll probably need all of it, and want more, um, so if you're employed, ask your employer for study days, block time out if you can, uh, that sort of stuff, um, and like I said earlier, I found it hard to drop in and out of, so you might be better at that than me, but um, I tended to need bigger chunks. So if you're a bit like that, make sure you've got plenty of big chunks of time to, to work on it. Um, and then a few other tips from another advisor um, that I got was um, keep it as simple as you absolutely can, especially when it comes to the report. The assessor doesn't really care about your technical knowledge. They're more interested in the actual financial plan. And it's remember, the report is for a client not really for the assessor um and then yeah the probably the biggest one cost absolutely everything uh keep a budget for your income and your capital track them both as you spend them so you don't spend a pound twice uh, because that can be a quick way to mess Mm. things up
0: indeed indeed i have marked in my time probably a thousand Um, level seven equivalent financial plans and the number of times that people have spent the same money two or three times um, I, I will be forever etched in my memory so great advice there Greg thanks very much for joining me today it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you
1: no problem at all my pleasure as well
0: it's really interesting Interesting, isn't it, to listen to different people who have different experiences of gaining their Certified Financial Planner certification or maybe developing the financial planning profession at large. If you know anybody who you think might be interested in listening to any of these podcasts, then please do pass on our details. That's it for me. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. See you again soon. Bye for now.